Share is a support group ministry that helps people heal from the pain of grief. The Grief Share video seminars, workbook exercises, and small group discussions give participants encouragement, useful advice, and hope. The Grief Share videos are, are excellent. The video strengthened me. It's a freeing kind of thing to be able to talk about your loss. My workbook helped me to unravel the feelings I was going through. If you know people in your church or community who are grieving the death of a loved one, tell them about Grief Share or visit a Grief Share group yourself to heal from the pain of your grief. There was such a void until I got into Grief Share. I never really healed down deep until I came to Grief Share. Grief Share brought me out of my sadness. Begin your journey from mourning to joy at Grief Share. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Hey, I'm Wayne. I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Fair Oaks. Welcome. We're glad you're with us this morning. In the book of Psalms, chapter 118, it says this. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Today is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Today's going to be a wonderful day. We have some wonderful stuff for, planned for you today. So before we get started, hey, I want to let you know that there is a connection card in the row in front of you. Uh, we want you to fill that out today. So everybody in the house today, let us know you were here. Fill that connection card out and uh, fill in all your information. If you have moved or if you have an email update or a new phone number, because Lord knows how many times you change phone numbers these days. If you've got anything new, let us know about that. Simply fill out your connection card. Put it in the uh, offering box on the wall in the lobby on your way out today. You can also do it digitally by scanning the QR codes in front of you as well. Or if you're watching online for us this morning, you can scan that QR code right now on your screen as well. Let us know that you're here. Connect with us because we want to connect with you. Another way you can connect with us also is if you would like to give to us here at First Baptist. We always appreciate your giving of your tithes and your offerings. And one of the ways you can do that is simply text your giving to 73256. It's safe, it's secure, and you can do it digitally. Or, or, or if you want to give analogly, you can still use that with the envelopes in front of you as well. Again, we appreciate your faithfulness and giving to the Lord uh, through your tithes and offerings. Also, hey, if you're, if you're new to First Baptist, you're watching us online, you don't know much about us, we are on social media. You can simply follow us on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, YouTube, You can see some of our old sermons there. We got a lot of good stuff there for you to pay attention to and know what's going on in the life of the church. Two things going on in the life of the church. You just saw a video called Grief Share, right? We're starting our Grief Share program back up again this week. So if you are experiencing some grief in life, hey, we want to support you. We want to love you. We want to 
be with you through this difficult time. It's starting Wednesday night, so here's what I want you to do. If you want more information about Grief Share, all you have to do is when the service is over, there's a Grief Share table in the lobby. Go say hi to Nancy. She's there for you. She'll get you everything you need to get set up to start. It's this Wednesday night. You're not going to want to miss it. And the last thing I want to let you know is coming up is our end of summer event. It's the Chili Cook-Off. Right? We've done this the last couple years, and so we've got an amazing night planned. We need you to enter your amazing award-winning chili. Okay, We need you to beat some of our other people that have competed in the past. So we don't need any repeats going on here. Okay, So if you could enter your chili, the way you do that, hit the connection kiosk on your way out today. Sign up. Let us know you're coming. Enter your chili. We need about 15 chilies. you got a couple of weeks to to get this down. So we want you to sign up so we know that you're coming, all right? We're so glad you're with us today. Today is going to be a great day. We have the International Mission Board with us today. Maybe you saw the table in the lobby. We're going to hear from Nate from the International Mission Board. It's going to be great today. In the meantime, if you would stand to your feet, church, let's worship together. Pastor Kevin. So this first song comes from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. We have freedom to worship. Men, we know where the Spirit of the Lord is. Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. We know living in your freedom.
our salvation.
Love the energy in the room. You can be seated. We hear it in the voices of the hurting. We sense it in the brokenness of the world around us. Lostness is a blindness to the promise and hope of the gospel that leads to eternal separation from the Father. The world's greatest problem is lostness, and it's growing every day. Eight billion people living in 195 countries, speaking over 7,000 languages. Today, more than half have yet to hear the good news of the gospel. The vision God gives us in Revelation 7-9, a multitude from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages, fuels our desire to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
but we must be willing to go further than we've ever gone before. To the very edges of lostness, where more than 3,000 people groups have no missionary presence and likely no access to the gospel. No one is engaging them. Together, we can change that. We know the love and hope and peace of the gospel. We know the way, the truth, and the life. We know the power of true redemption. We will not ignore lostness. We will not be silent. We will not stand still. From the Great Commission until the Great Multitude, we must unite in this great pursuit to reach every nation, no matter the cost. That video communicates a big message to us. Single biggest problem in the world today is lostness. And it's not just here in America. It's everywhere. And we are blessed today, congregation, to have the International Mission Board with us. I told you a couple weeks ago that uh, we, today would be a day that we would kind of set aside to kind of get into a missions mindset to prepare us for November, which is our annual month of missions. And so today, we have... Here with us today from the International Mission Board is one of my new best buddies in the whole wide world. All right, I've been pl- pl- uh, very, very blessed to get to know this guy over the last year and a half. So, uh, would you please welcome, uh, give a nice greeting from First Baptist Church to Mr. Nathan Perro? Nathan, come on up, buddy. Yeah, I love you. I love you, man. Yeah. Well, good morning, Fair Oaks. How are we? I traveled all the way from Arizona on Wednesday to bring you heat, and I don't know what happened on yesterday, but clearly the hurricane is coming, and so I'm excited because I got a phone call. My wife said there's rain in Phoenix, which we haven't had it all summer, so uh, we will survive this summer. Hey, uh, I just want to say I'm so privileged to be here. As Pastor Wayne just said, last year I got to meet him and be with uh, several of your church members in uh, in Anaheim, and then I got to come up in November and got to hang out with Pastor Wayne and some more of you. And uh, man, I just love this church. I asked Pastor Wayne, I was like, can I consider myself family when I come home? And he said, absolutely. And then he kicked me out of his house last night at eight o'clock. So that's a weird family definition, but <laughs> I'm thankful for, for you all. Um, I, I do have the honor and privilege of working for the International Mission Board, um, which you're like, wait, Phoenix, Arizona? Yeah, that place. Um, I serve as the West Region Church and Next Gen Mobilization Strategist, which shockingly does not fit on a business card. But in that honor and that privilege of that role, I get to equip and work with churches all across the West Coast from Arizona all the way up to Montana and Wyoming and into Canada and out to Hawaii and Alaska and this great lovely state of California. And so it is my honor and my privilege to say thank you on behalf of your 3,500 missionaries and their children who are serving around the world for your faithfulness, your prayers, your generosity, and most importantly, your partnership in the gospel. And so um, I, I look forward to this afternoon. I know several of you have signed up for lunch, and we're going to hang out and get to spend some more time talking about the International Mission Board. But um, I, I just want to say, you, church, matter. What is happening around the world is um, 
if you watch the news, it feels overwhelming. It feels, uh, it feels hopeless. May I encourage you, church, it is not hopeless. The kingdom of God is not retreating. It is advancing. Because of your faithfulness and your heart to see missionaries go out from our 47,000 Southern Baptist churches that you partner with, you have 3,500 men and women and their children serving in those places that the news say are hopeless. Those places that you watched this week burn in Pakistan, in Sudan, in Niger. Places where Christians are being harmed and murdered today. And if Fox News and CNN have any say in it, it is hopeless. But church, I want to say this to you before we get into our word this morning. There are more people coming to Christ every day around the world than any other time in human history. The gospel is not losing. You have much reason to rejoice in a God who saves today and much reason to trust if God is God, then we can trust him fully in everything and anything that we encounter, and that is the truth of our brothers and sisters around the world, whether in Sudan or in Niger or in Pakistan, as they are burning churches, burning Bibles, and killing Christians in the handful. What has been true for 2,000 years since Christ ascended into the heavens is every time Satan thinks he's put a handle on the church, the church only grows and multiplies more. And so I just want to say thank you because it is your prayers that bolden and encourage our brothers and sisters to continue to take the fight to Satan. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, you would turn to Luke chapter 17. We're going to bounce around in a couple of places, but as Pastor Wayne invited me to share his pulpit this morning, I felt um, just emboldened to, to challenge your church, challenge you as brothers and sisters in Christ to consider what kingdom living might look like. And, and here I say this confidently, coming to your city now three times in a year and falling in love with this place, I found myself greatly comfortable over in Folsom, which probably a hundred years ago, that would have been a different word. But here I stand in Folsom and, and as I was in a coffee shop sharing the gospel with a gentleman there, I found myself loving the city. Last November as I came here and Pastor Wayne and I were about to meet, I went and had uh, a meal over at a local Mexican restaurant and got to share the gospel with the waitress. And, and I just want to say this church, there are people in the city who are desperately ready to hear about the hope of Jesus. I've had so many great gospel conversations, and, and I know you're a gospel church. And I know that the heart of Fair Oaks is that they believe that people matter because God cares about those whom he's created. And so today I hope that this, this message is encouraging and yet challenging for you. But before we do that, I'd, I'd like if you would allow me to open in prayer for you as a church as we open into the word together this morning. God, you are good, you are kind, and you are gracious. Lord, I thank you for this family here at Fair Oaks. Lord, they are gracious and they are kind to me, but Lord, I know it's because they love you. And so, Father, I pray you would remove me and let your glory shine. Let your truth prevail. Lord, allow your gospel to saturate our hearts. May it transform us into the disciple in which you've called us to be. God, I pray there's a thousand things going on in this room, in this family. God, you are a God of kindness and of comfort and of peace and lord i may that be true for each of my brothers and sisters in this room today that they would know the kindness and the joy and the peace of the lord and so lord we love you we praise you we thank you in jesus name 
Amen. Hey, I, I do hope that I get to meet you. And so at the end of service, I'll be outside and I'll give you my phone number, my email, and you can offer me a bed next time I come out here so I don't have to stay at the Hampton Inn. I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> Pastor Wayne said, hey, how's the Hampton Inn? And I was like, ah, your house would have been nice. I'm standing in India and in Mumbai in April of this year. My, I turned 35 this year, though my hair tells you much older than I really am. But standing in Mumbai in India and, and this gentleman and uh, on Muhammad Ali Road, and it's a tense place. The, the call of prayer had just ended, and Muslims from all of these buildings just come pouring out into the street. I mean, to give you perspective, this pew to that pew is how wide this street is, and there's hundreds of thousands of people filling the road and filling the street in the marketplace to eat and break fast for that day of Ramadan. And I stick out like a sore thumb in the middle of India. Like, I don't have a tan, I turn lobster, that's it. And I'm standing in the middle of the road, and this gentleman comes up to me, and he says, American? And usually when I travel and people ask me if I'm American, I immediately go, Canadian. For a lot of reasons. Because they want to know your opinion about everything about America. And the first thing, I said, no, Canadian. He goes, no, American. And I was like, yeah, American. And he goes, you love President Trump? And I was like, I don't know if you saw, he's not the president of America anymore. And he's like, he should be. And he just starts drilling me. And then he says... He starts asking me about all sorts of things that he knows about American references. And so he, he starts talking about politics. And then he starts talking about celebrities. And he's like, what do you think of Johnny Depp? And I'm like, I, I don't know him. Like, I don't really have an opinion on Johnny Depp at all. But as we're conversating, what ultimately comes up of me and my new friend, who were having deep conversations, he says, I love American football. Oh, okay. I mean, cricket. It's kind of a big deal in India, and he's yelling at me about how much he loves American football. And so I, I show him this picture. If you don't mind showing him the picture in the family. Okay, you all know this picture. I, I'm, not, I'm not endorsing anything here. Just, I have no dog in the fight. I'm a big cricket fan, uh, as far as you're concerned. <laughs> and so he said, he, I show him this photo. I said, do you know who this is? And he's like, yeah, that guy won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I was like, well, is that guy's name? He goes, I don't know. So his name's Patrick Mahomes. I said, do you know what that trophy is? He goes, no idea. I said, that's the Super Bowl trophy, but it has a very specific name. Anybody know the name of that trophy? The Lombardi Trophy. Okay, you clearly know your football. Well done. Let's see if you know your Bible in a few minutes. Okay, so he says, that's, I don't know what that is. So I tell him, that's the Lombardi Trophy. And I said, he's considered one of the greatest coaches of all time. When I was younger, I did play football. I had a passion for football. Not the greatest sport of all time, but it is a good sport. And so I played football, loved football, but I said, do you know anything about Lombardi? And he said, no. I said, in 1960, the Green Bay Packers were in the national championship, and they lost in the fourth quarter. Anybody know to who? Those Eagles. The stinking Philadelphia Eagles. Upset the Packers won 1960. These were men who were just moments away from being the world's greatest team. And they lost in the fourth quarter. And it, there's record of these men like just devastated at the end of the season. Just like, right, how are we going to move on? Like, where are we going to go? And, and so they were, they were making commitments. Like, well, when we get back, we're going we're gonna to work on this. We're going to make sure that doesn't happen. And we're going to make sure we don't get flanked like we did several times by their D end. And like just all this planning. 
And they show up to training, and Lombardi shows up, and he walks in the room, and he's holding a football in his hand. And he looks at the crowd of the men in the room, and he says, gentlemen, this is a football. I mean, really, Lombardi? Like, that's not good coaching. If they're just now learning about a football, it's too late. No wonder why you got beat. But Lombardi introduces the men back to the football. And it's not because he doesn't think they don't know what football is. He's telling them this is a football because we need to get back to the basics. We need to go back to the thing where this all started with. And men were furious because they're like, "Uh, I don't know if you know, but we were just minutes away from being the world's greatest team. And Lombardi said, yeah, I don't really care. You're going to learn how to tackle again. You're going to learn how to throw a football again. You're going to learn how to run again. And you're going to have to learn the basics of this sport if you want to be great again. I don't know if you know the history of the Packers, but they went on to win five out of seven of the next championships. They destroyed everyone that year in 1961, went on to win the Super Bowl 37 to zero against another team. And, and I mean, just it enshrined Lombardi to be great. But it was starting back with, gentlemen, this is a football church. This is the kingdom of God. If you have your Bibles and you turn with me to Acts chapter 1, or if you follow along behind me, but Acts chapter 1, you know this moment. It's right after Jesus is resurrected. He's with the, the, the disciples, and, and this is what the, the apostle Luke wrote down in the book of Acts for us to read. He says, in the first book of Othopolis, <coughs> Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. He could have spoken about anything. He should have probably spoken about more things. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, can we just be honest? If you read the Gospels where Jesus spoke the most, he seems to miss out on a whole lot of really important things. I mean, if you treat the Bible like a lot of my friends treat the Bible, they're constantly opening it just to see the answers to life. And they come back and they go, Nate, he didn't say anything about this. Like, I know. Like, I know, but like, he's God. We're supposed to learn everything from him, right? And here Jesus, the last 40 days on earth, he could have talked about anything. He could have said, hey, this is how you vote in elections. Americans, that would have been really helpful. He could have talked about, hey, this is how you deal with church issues. And he left that up to Paul. He could have talked about a myriad of things. There's all sorts of great topics that we don't really have clarity on as Christians and ethics and all those fun things. But Jesus knowing what was most important, looked at the men and women who were following him and said, church, this is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. This is the most important thing, is the kingdom. For 40 days, that's what he preached about. He reminded his men and women who called him Lord what it meant to walk in the kingdom, to live in the life of the kingdom. And church, I know you're well preached at at this church and you have men and women who love God's word and open it faithfully in your small groups and Sunday Sunday school classes. So I know that you have enough biblical awareness as to what you know about the kingdom of God. 
which is I know you know that the kingdom of God is completely backwards and upside down in the eyes of the world. I mean, you remember the teachings of Jesus. Many of them made no sense. Many people left away discouraged because of what he said. When asked a simple question, he responded with something that sounded completely disconnected from what they had asked. But in John chapter 17, this, this is what Jesus tells us. John 17, 3, excuse me. He, he talks about eternal life, and he says this is what eternal life is. In perspective of the kingdom, John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent this is eternal life. John 17, 3. Jesus reminds us that what eternal life is not escaping the misery of this world, but it's that we would know God. That we would know him and love him. I think of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians when he says, my fear for you is that much like the serpent in the garden, that he would persuade you or discourage you away from the simplicity of the devotion to God. Church, can I just encourage you with this this morning? You were created to know God. And I know you know that. Many of you in this room, that you cling to that hope. But can I ask you, friend who is in here that maybe not know that to be true for you, may I tell you and encourage you that you were created to know God. God, to know him and to love him and know his ways because his ways are good. John goes on further in the last years of Jesus, in the last months of Jesus, to tell us sweet things like this. Jesus says, I've come so that you might have life and life abundant. And if I had hair and a nice jacket on, I would convince you to give me a lot of money so you can know his abundance. But the Lord took my hair so I would never be a false gospel preacher. Amen, right there, sister? That's just like, this is his heart, is that his heart would, that we would know him in life abundant. And when we hear that in American eyes, we're like, yes, God's on my side. Like, he's for me to have things. And what he's really saying is, no, life is found in me and me alone. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come so that you may have life. And what is life? Knowing God. What is eternal life? Knowing the Father, loving the Father, knowing his ways and knowing his commands and knowing the goodness of his heart. My little eight-year-old that we adopted this last year, her name's Toby Grace, you would love her. She looks like her mommy and she acts like me, so she's perfect. And she showed up at our house the very first day. She said, um... What does it mean to be in this family? And I said that you would know God. Toby, if there's anything I want you to know about this family is that this is a place where you're going to get to know about God. And on Wednesday, I got up in the morning at 4 a.m. to head to the airport. I gave her a kiss on her forehead and she said, Daddy, go tell that church about God. Because she knows the most important thing that I could do with my days is to tell people about the God who loves them, who's created them and desires for them to know him. As I go to Folsom and sit at a coffee shop, it's not about a coffee shop. It's about me having an opportunity to look a man in the face and say, do you know God loves you and desires for you to know him? And him to look at me in the face and say, I don't really know about that God thing. 
And what was supposed to be a quick interaction turned into a two and a half hour conversation between me and him. This is the heart of our God. So Christian, here's a big idea for you for the day. If you need a, if you need a big note to write down, Christian, kingdom living is the overflow of a relationship with Jesus. We're going to talk about kingdom living. We're not going to talk about all what kingdom living is because I don't have that enough time. Pastor Wayne said I can't preach for five hours, which was a little weird and restrictive. But know this, that Christian, the kingdom living is out of the overflow of a relationship with Jesus. You can't live in his kingdom outside of a relationship with him. Which is to say this, that Christian, Christian living, kingdom living, is not about what you do for him, but allowing him to live through you. I I thought when I first became a follower of Christ, like it was all about what I could do for God. And he was so kind and compassionate in his grace towards me to remove the burden of, Nate, this is what you do for me. Instead, Nate, this is what I will do through you. Fair Oaks, if you want to see God do great things, allow him to move through you, not for you. Because he'll do what he wants. Don't, don't try to earn God's love. You can't. Don't think coming to church gets you in right standing with God. It doesn't. We know that. Jesus says in the end, there will be people who say, Lord, Lord, did I not? And he's going to say, get away from me. You never knew me. And, and so the invitation in the kingdom living is in a relationship with Jesus. But at the same time, there is an invitation for everyone into his kingdom. So as I stand in Mumbai and this gentleman's trying to pester me about Donald Trump and Super Bowl championships and all the other things he was passionate about, I looked him in the face and said, do you know God? And he looked back at me and he says, yes, I worship Allah. And I said, no, no, no. I asked you, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? God is not impressed if he knows who Donald Trump is. Donald Trump is not the name above all names. I'm probably offending somebody, and I apologize, but I'm just going to preach the Bible, and if you have a problem, email Jesus. Like, he's not king of kings. Mahomes isn't lord of lords. Jesus is the name in which every name will worship. And so when we look at the truth of the gospel, this is the invitation for you, Christian, that the invitation to the kingdom living is out of an overflow, but also for you who is not a believer in this room today, if that is true of you online or that is you in this room, know this, there is an invitation into his kingdom today. God desires for you to know him and love him. When the Philippian jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? What did the apostle Paul answer with? Believe in the Lord Jesus. And you shall be saved and your household. Church, look at the church of Philippi. What a mess. A jailer, a demonic little girl, a really rich woman. And Jesus goes, that's my church planning team right there. And then you look at the book of Philippians and and then the apostle Paul says, I remember the early days of your partnership in the gospel. That was the early days. A demonic girl, a rich woman, and a jailer. What did they have in common? They believed in the Lord Jesus who saved them. 
Church, you have 3,500 missionaries around the world who watched 173,000 people put their faith and trust in Jesus last year because they heard about the God who sent a man into this world to die a death that they deserve so that they might be made right with God. Defeating sin on the third day and ascending into heaven so that the glory of God might be manifest amongst the world through the gospel and the truth of the hope of the world. And 173,000 people through the work of your missionaries responded to that truth. Not because they did good works, not because of their wealth, not because of their status in society, but a bunch of nobodies met somebody who would save them. And that's true for everyone in Sacramento, Folsom, Sacramento County, and the ends of the earth. And so church, there is an invitation for everyone who believes. Let me show you this real quick. In Mark chapter three, verse or Mark chapter three, verse thirteen through fourteen, this is what Jesus says. He said he went up onto the mountain and he called him to the called to him those whom he desired, and then they came to him, and he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach the kingdom. Further on in 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, this is why you were called, church. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of our God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The invitation Jesus gave to people early on was to follow him. And he, he could have used multiple words in the Greek and instead what we see translated in the New Testament in Mark and as in Timothy There's a verb called or invited, kaleo. And Jesus chose a different word, proskaleo, which is intimate. When I call Pastor Wayne, I don't expect you to answer. When I call Pastor Wayne's phone number, I expect Pastor Wayne to answer because it is a personal call between him and I. That is the invitation for you, church. That is the invitation for the world to respond to the call, not a destination, not a religion, not a church, not a building, not a Bible study, not a Sunday school group, none of that. He didn't call them to tradition. He didn't call them to set rules. He called them to himself. He called them to himself because he desired a relationship with them. Which means it doesn't matter how messed up you think you are or how much sin you have committed. Jesus says he loves you and he wants you. Church, I discovered this truth about myself early on in my walk with Jesus. I rarely want Jesus, but I'm in desperate need of him. Jesus does not need Nate. He wants Nate. What a contrast between me and God. He doesn't need me. He wants me. I rarely think I need him. And the reality of my soul is I desperately need him. Why can I look a man in the face at a coffee shop that I don't know is because I know God wants him. And he does not realize the need inside of him. But God, who is rich in mercy, lavished us with grace by sending in his, sending his son into this world to die the death that we deserve for sin and rose three days later so the prophets would say that he defeated death. 
Church, he did it all because of relationships. And this is the impact that the kingdom has on our lives. It impacts our relationship vertically and it impacts our relationship horizontally. And why we need to look at this before we can look at the three or the four points I want to share with you real quick today is here. In John chapter 15, Jesus says this, abide in me and I in you. Church, if we want to have a kingdom impact on the world, it is not out of our talents and our efforts. It is connected to Christ and Christ alone. It is in us abiding, he says he will bear much fruit. It won't matter how talented this worship team is, which by the way, they are extremely gifted. It won't matter how great Pastor Wayne's sermons are, which by the way, he is faithful to the text. It will not matter how good of a Bible study teacher you are or how much you love bringing bagels to this church that will produce good things for this community. It is in Christ alone. It is us abiding in him and through him and allowing him to do what he chooses to do, not because of what we do, but what he does. And so church, may I pray for you as you walk out of here today that Fair Oaks is committed to one thing and one thing alone, abiding in the relationship that they have with their Lord and Savior. Because it will have impacts not just with you and your relationship with God, but it will impact this church. It will impact your home. It will impact your marriage. It will impact your children, your grandchildren, your neighbor who you do not like, and everyone who does not vote like you. I'm going to bring you with me. You amen me everywhere I go. Your relationship with God will directly impact your relationship with everyone. This is the reality of the kingdom. I want to look at four quick attributes that we see in the text of Luke chapter 17. Four quick attributes that you see in kingdom living. This is not exhaustive, church. Please know that there is more. But it is not anything less than this either. And then a quick reminder at the end. Followers of Jesus are marked by attributes of kingdom living. Here's the first one. Kingdom living attribute of forgiveness. Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 4, he said to his disciples, Temptation to sin is sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and we were cast into a sea, then, then he should cause one of the little ones to sin. Children, causing children to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Church, can I remind you of this? Kingdom living looks like this. Because I've been forgiven much, I can forgive much. Now, I'm not asking you to forgive and then be in relationship with somebody who is dangerous or harmful to you. You don't need to be reconciled to everyone. Heaven will take care of that. I'll just say this real quick. My mother, a woman of domestic violence, I would never ask my mom that the only way she could have true forgiveness is if she goes and reconciles with those who've harmed her. Heaven will take care of that. But she can live in forgiveness. I'm constantly reminded of this truth in my own life that God has forgiven me much so I can forgive much. He's only asked Nate to forgive as much as he's been forgiven. And church, if we took out my sin card, it would go from here to 
the south of the Baja and join the hurricane and come right back up here. And all of it's been cleared because of the goodness and the grace of our God. But may I encourage you, church, may you be a church that's marked by kingdom living of forgiveness. And may you call other people to enjoy the forgiveness of God and the grace of God. Reminding yourselves daily that you've been forgiven of much, so therefore you can forgive much and you can trust that God is the God who forgives much. Because we know that it is out of the forgiveness of God that we are transformed through the power of Christ. Luke 17, 5 through 6, the kingdom living attribute of faith. Look at this text with me, if you will. The apostle said to the Lord, to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. They thought that the object was to have more faith in what Jesus was saying, place your faith in the object, and that is me. See, faith is easy when you can see it, but that's not faith. You know what the Bible teaches on faith. It's the things hoped for that are not seen. Two years ago, I was told by a doctor, you will never biologically have children, and it decimated my wife and I. And then four months later, we're sitting in a doctor's office, with an ultrasound of my wife being pregnant. And we watched the miscarriage unfold over the next several hours. When I was in first grade, they said, what do you want to do when you grow up, Nate? And I said, I want to be a dad. And I'm looking at my desire and saying, God, did I miss something here? Did I not understand that your heart is for children? And I said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you regardless of what I see. And not four months later, do we get a phone call about a little girl whose mom was going to abandon her. My wife said, what do you want to do? And I said, yes and Amen. Because I said I wanted to be a father. I didn't care who it was to. I just wanted to be obedient to love children the way Jesus loves children. And so when that little girl walked in our house the first day, you know that I rejoiced. In the midst of her trauma, in the midst of her grief, if you met my daughter today, you'd say, I'm not really sure that she's gone through too much trauma. Because she has found that her joy is in her Lord. She has faith. In her God. Kingdom living attribute. Number three real quick. Humility. Luke 17. 7 through 10. It says. Will any one of you. Who has a servant plowing. Or keeping sheep to him. When he has come in from the field. Come at once. And I recline at, and recline at the table. Will he not rather say to him. Prepare supper for me. And address properly. And serve me while I eat and drink. And afterwards will you eat and drink. Does he thank the servant. Because he did what he was commanded. So you also. When you have done all that you were commanded. Say we are unworthy servants. We have only done. What was our duty. Church. 
if God is God, then may we never think ourselves to be God. I get it. If, like, I'll just tell you, it is not hard for me to want to be God over Nate's own life. But if I truly believe that God is God, it would be foolish of me to even put myself in that throne for a moment. One of the things I loved hearing yesterday at the men's breakfast that I got to fellowship with the men was the testimony of that you have three men who the church have identified to put into the deacon training period who would be raised up and appointed as deacons at a future date. And the testimony, and he probably doesn't want this credit, but I'm going to give it to him anyways, is listening to Joe Buck, who serves as your chairman, say that our job as deacons is just to be servants of the church. Church, if you have men who are willing to serve behind the scenes, that is a blessing, not a curse. That is a testimony of a healthy church, not a harmful church. Many men and women will be loved well if you have deacons who are willing to serve in the blind of the church to do the work that is hard when it comes to ministry. I just want to say, church, it is a blessing to be with you. But never read your own news. You're not bigger than you think you are and you're not greater than you think you are. But God is great and he is better and he is worthy of your praise and he is worthy of your trust and he is worthy to sit on the throne of your life and you say, Lord, I submit everything to it. Like if you're not finding yourself in submission to God right now, may I ask you to repent and find yourself back in the seat of repentance and humility. Like if you've got, God, I don't think you're understanding this economic situation that's going on. Um, I'm going to have to take control of the finances. Did I step on your toes? I'm sorry. I'll, I won't do that again. I won't be back next week, I promise. Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll take it from here when it comes to figuring out what I'm going to do next. Like the words we say to ourselves sometimes that we don't really realize what we're saying about who God is that he's unworthy to be trusted in these areas of our lives. May I encourage you to allow God to sit on that throne and may I encourage you to live in the humility of Christ. If God is God, may we live in the humility of that truth. And church, I believe that you believe that God is who he is. He is holy, he is good, and he is righteous. Fourth principle, and then a reminder, and this is, I'll wrap up here. Kingdom living attribute of thankfulness. Church, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee and he entered a village and he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and he lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to the God except the foreigner? And he said to them, raise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Church, that leper lived in thankfulness to who God is and what God has done. Church, can I encourage you to never lose sight of thankfulness and thanksgiving in your heart. May it be marked of this church 
that we are a thankful people. A people constantly reminded about the goodness of God in our own lives. And we would want to share that with others. As you go and you interact with this community in whatever facet that might be, whether that's a local restaurant you attend often or a local shop that you go to often or a recreational area into which you find most of your time at or a hobby or a school or a job in which you are involved in, may I encourage you to live in such a manner where the thankfulness of your posterity and your posture makes others wonder why do they live in a manner which nobody is thankful, but yet they seem to always be thankful. Why is it easy for my eight-year-old to tell people about Jesus? I don't really know other than I know this. She constantly practices acts of gratitude. Every night before she goes to bed, she tells God one thing that she's thankful about who he is. And three things that God did that day that she's thankful for. And what she didn't realize when I implemented that in her life early on when she first came into our home was because this is what science taught us about our brains. It is impossible for your brain to process thankfulness and anxiety at the exact same time. So if you want to get rid of anxiety, I'll save you a trip to the therapist. Start practicing gratitude and thankfulness. Because your brain can't process both. The, the mark and attribute of kingdom living is thankfulness. Church, may I encourage you to live in light of what God has done in your life. Because the ways of this world are selfish and self-seeking. But the ways of the kingdom are not. I want to share a testimony of a friend. I know I've probably wasted all of your time this morning. (laughs) But I want to share a testimony of a young woman by the name of Grace Lyons. She was on the back-to-back-to-back championship for the the University of Oklahoma softball team. And every year, the NCAA, when they have the championship game, they allow the girls to do a a video called Dear Softball. What are the things you learn from softball over the years? It's kind of a a cute little diary kind of video. And this is what Grace Lines chose to do when the National Collegiate Program said, tell us what you've learned from softball. Here's what she says. Dear Softball, I fell in love with you when I was a little girl, always carrying around my glove, throwing tennis balls off the wall, and hitting with my dad in the park. I played with the boys when there was no softball, and then finally switched over once recruiting started, and that's when it started to get serious. I hungered for competition and strived for excellence, but for a while, you were something that my hands had such a tight grip on. My identity was tied so tightly to a game that leads to failure almost all of the time and I rode the roller coaster of emotions. Then I met Jesus. I learned I have a loving father who died for my sins and has a plan for my life, a plan to give me a hope and a future. My perspective changed when I realized you were just something I did, not who I was. Jesus tells me who I am, and I wanted to bring this light into the softball world and play the game differently. I was so blessed to have the opportunity to attend the best university in the country and play for the best program imaginable. Yes, winning a few national championships and winning some personal honors is amazing, and I will never take that for granted. But it is so much greater than what goes on on that dirt. First, I have met some of my best friends and my future husband at OU. Praise the Lord. But even more so, the Lord has given me a platform to shine a light that the world tries to dim. 
The expectation is to idolize you, and the promise is that true joy comes from reaching a goal that you have put all of your effort into. Yes, we as Christians are expected to work hard at all that we do for Christ, but the real victory has already been won on the cross, Jesus dying for my sin and saving me. Because of this, I have an eternal hope that allows me to play your game free with fullness of joy that comes only from the Lord. With this mindset, I have played the most joyful softball the last five years. What's crazy is that this joy doesn't come after big wins, home runs, championships, etc., because all of those things will fade away. I am filled with a steadfast joy when I see one of my teammates decide to get baptized and become a sister in Christ. I will never forget worshiping with my teammates, singing the song Nobody in center field after winning the second national championship. God is so awesome. My prayer when I started college was that I could be a vessel that the Lord uses in his kingdom to bring others to know him. As I leave college softball, I pray that others can know how loved they are by the creator of the world and that Jesus can use you in mighty ways. You just need to be willing and obedient. I'll end with one of my favorite verses, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Sincerely, Grace Lyons. Seventeen million people saw that played on national television. Grace was a fantastic softball player. She got to win three championships at the University of Oklahoma. But if Grace was standing here today, unfortunately she's in Florida, but if she was standing here today, she would tell you that I'm thankful to know that the invitation to be a part of God's kingdom was for me. The kingdom is here, church. The last text here is Luke 17, 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Church, where you work, where you play, where you recreate, where you hang out, where you spend time, the kingdom is there. Fair Oaks, I believe this. God is inviting you to join him as you have through all the years of your faithfulness to continue to be part about his work here in this area, but also in the world globally. Church, your Christmas offering last year, or your missions offering last year that you took around November helped 3,500 missionaries get to tell the world about a God who loves them and a God who can save them. But that's not the end of the invitation for you. It's not just your financial gift. It's your continued prayer. It's you knowing one of our missionaries and praying for them and knowing that they love you and that you can know them and know how to serve and pray for them. And church, my hope is that as your mission partner is that I can help you connect with what God's doing globally so that you can feel like you have a part in what God's doing around the world, but also to know that you have an invitation right here in this amazing city in which you dwell to make much of the name of Jesus anywhere and everywhere you go. Church, keep living in the kingdom. Keep glorifying your God. Keep making much of Jesus because church, I believe this, Fair Oaks is not done its best days. Her best days are ahead of her. There's many in this community who are longing for the name of Jesus to reside over them. And may you know the invitation to the kingdom. Let me pray for you.
God, you are good and kind. Lord, I, I thank you for this church. I thank you for her faithfulness to love you and to glorify you. I thank you for the men and women who have served in this church and this family for a long time. Lord, I thank you for these young families. I thank you for people who've recently joined this family. May they learn to walk with Jesus and know Jesus and be loved by Jesus here. May they learn to love Jesus here. God, I pray that you would make much of your name amongst the family at Fair Oaks. God, I pray that you would be glorified in every area of the lives of the members here at Fair Oaks. Lord, that marriages would make much of Jesus, that families with children would make much of Jesus, and families with grandchildren and great-grandchildren would make much of Jesus. Lord, I pray that as they go about that, Lord, they would live in kingdom ways. But, Lord, it wouldn't be about what they do for you, but instead it would be about abiding in you and you alone. God, I thank you for this family and their desire to walk with you. Lord, I I pray that they would know your goodness and your kindness today. And if there's somebody in here that, that doesn't know Christ as Lord and Savior, may you know this, that the invitation to the kingdom is yours that the Father is calling to you, desiring that you would know his ways and his goodness in your life, that you would walk in his grace. And so the Bible says this, if you can believe. So if you can believe, may you know that invitation for you. May you talk to one of the pastors or the deacons or someone you know here at the church. And if you're watching online, I pray you would call this church and you would get connected with this family. Lord, may it be true that those who can believe know this is a place where they can be known and be loved and be discipled to know Jesus. Lord, we love you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. Would you please stand?
our worship of the Lord to say we are broken inside and God we give you our life congregation if as you're here today I want you to be thinking about have you been obedient to the Lord have you been doing what he's been asking you to do have you been living a kingdom life have you been faithful to what God has called you to do And for you, maybe that answer is, I haven't been. Well, let today be a day of flipping a U-turn and getting faithful and getting in line with what Jesus has asked you to do and being about his mission and connecting with the lost. Single greatest problem in the world today is lostness. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ and what Nate was saying today is, resonating with your heart. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that today. So if today's a day where you're wanting to connect for the first time in your life with Jesus, I'm going to give you a couple of ways where you can connect with us on that. The first way is you can use that connection card that's right in front of you. Make sure you fill it out. Check the box on it that says, I'd like to give my life to Jesus. Take that connection card to our connection kiosk and give that to one of our our workers there. And we want to give you some resources to get you started with Jesus and we'll be in contact with you. The second way you could do that is you could scan that QR code right in front of you and you could just simply scroll down and check that little box that says, I want to know about following Jesus for the first time and we'll connect with you because we think that that's important. And the last way is, well, maybe you want to talk with somebody and get to know about Jesus right here today before you leave. To my left, your right, our uh, encouragement area over here. Come speak to somebody who wants to help you get to know Christ. They'll speak with you and answer all your questions today. It's important. Following Jesus. Don't leave here today without connecting with God today. We want to encourage you. We want to bless you as you follow Jesus and share the love of Christ with everybody that you know. Aren't you thankful for the person who shared Christ with you? Amen. Congregation, I'm glad you're here today. It's been a great day worshiping the Lord tonight or to this morning. Don't, don't forget what's happening tonight. Our, our Sunday night programs are going on. You come out and you check it out. The kids choir starts today. The Awana starts tonight. It's, it's, we're back in full swing. So you come and you be a part of what's going on. Thanks so much again for your faithfulness and in, in giving to the mission, ministry and mission of our church. Lives get changed. You, you heard Nate say, 3,000 missionaries for our IMB are serving the Lord because of churches like us that give because of people like you. So continue to give in faith and to be generous with what the Lord has given you. Are you glad you came today? Thank you, Nate, for uh, blessing us today. Hey, today's the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. Let's go be the church, everybody. God bless you.